you take your Bibles and turn to James chapter 3, you have a situation that you're dealing with. Why would I say that? Well, because everyone either has a situation that they are dealing with right now, one that even as you were driving here this morning was in your mind, thinking, how am I going to handle this? What am I going to do about this or that? Or, if you're not in the middle of it now, you have just come through one, or you will be facing one before long. That's just the nature of life. We deal with situations. Sometimes it's something difficult that you have to say to somebody. It might be something at your job or in your family or between husband and wife or children. It could be a health situation. How are you dealing with it? Or how will you deal with it? By what standard is your life characterized in terms of how you deal with these situations that come along? Now we're about to look in this passage in James And I want to help you through this passage to analyze, to diagnose, as it were, how you're dealing with this situation. Because in essence, you've got a choice. You will use wisdom that is accumulated from here below or... You will use wisdom from above. Now, I'm assuming, that can be dangerous, but I'm assuming that the vast majority of you here today, if asked this question, do you want wisdom from above or from below, you would immediately say, well, I want wisdom from above, from God. And yet, too often, we fall into seeking wisdom from below. This passage, I think, will help us to diagnose this. James has been dealing with a consistency between our faith and our actions. And he does that here as well. He is speaking to those who are believers... Now, if you're not a believer yet, there's still a great deal to learn here. You can see the difference. And I hope it will drive you to say whatever it is to be in the camp of the believer. That's where I want to be. But if you're already a believer, I want you to ask God to show you where you're getting your wisdom from. And some of the things you see today may, be, may help explain why situations you deal with are turning out the way they are. 
before we get to our passage in James 3, I want to read one verse because he, he gave us, in essence, I think an opening verse to the, this part of his theme in the first chapter of James. He says in verse 5, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be <clears throat> given him. And then in chapter 3, verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's bow together. So, Lord, we are asking, even as you have told us to, for wisdom. We want wisdom that impacts our lives. That's what we need. Not just more knowledge. Many here have more knowledge than they know what to do with. We need application. We need you to apply it in our life. And so we would ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen. So what we are going to do is to, through this passage, <clears throat> compare and contrast wisdom that's from above and wisdom that is from below. James does this. We're going to look at it. I, I want you to, as we go through it, ask God to show you where your life lines up between those two. Or whether you find yourself bouncing back and forth. Some of us may, may find that that's what we are. We aren't, we aren't completely in, in one camp. In some areas, we definitely seek wisdom from above and other areas. We are stuck with wisdom from below. Look at what he says about wisdom from below, verse 14 and 15. It's, it is characterized by a self-centeredness. Self-centeredness. He says, uh, verse 14, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. The first question in the Westminster Shorter Catechism, what is the chief end of man? Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Wisdom from below says man's chief end is himself. 
whatever we want, whatever our desires are, that's my chief end. If I just summarize what he has said here. He's connecting bitter envy, uh, selfish ambition with the wisdom that is from below. It's earthly, it's false to the truth, or it's false wisdom. Whenever man comes up with a theory or a system or of teaching or a philosophy that leaves God out, it becomes man-centered, self-centered. Well, look at history. Let me give you an ever so brief, ever so oversimplified uh, glimpse into history. If you just... Uh, fast forward from the beginning of history up to uh, the 16th century. There, for instance, you have Renaissance and the Reformation. The Renaissance, man-centered. The Reformation, God-centered. The Renaissance, exalts man. It becomes humanism. The Reformation, exalting Christ, exalting God. Then if you trace it, it becomes evangelical Christianity. Bible-believing Christianity, which if it is uh, truly Bible-believing, it is God-centered, it is Christ-centered. The humanist side Uh, looked for unaided human reason. You trace it through and you can trace it all the way to more modern views like Nietzsche, Darwin, Marx, Freud. Nietzsche says, man is a disease on the skin of the earth. Carl Sagan, remember him? When he was in Carl Sagan. The cosmos is all there is and all there ever will be. Nothing about God. It's all about the cosmos. Eric Fromm talked about humanistic ethics. He said it's based, catch this because this is a good summary, is based on the principles that only man himself can determine the criterion For virtue and sin, only man can determine what's virtue and what's sin, not an authority transcending him. In other words, not someone outside of man. We're the ones that determine it. And he was basically saying there's no place for God. And that's what this humanism, that's what this self-centeredness, and that's what James is warning of, that kind of wisdom. Now, this shouldn't surprise us. Romans 1 traces the history of the decline of mankind because of sin. In in Romans 1, we see that downward, ever downward spiral until man worships not the creator, but created things, things he makes with his own hands, idols, that he has made. And then we move forward to Romans 3, where it says, none is righteous, not one. No one understands, no one 
seeks God. Now, what's the source of that kind of thinking? Verse 15, back in James. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. That's a warning. Man who's trying to be independent from uh, God is opening himself up to a field day for the evil one. Now, how how does Satan do that? Again, go back to the scripture. You go back to Uh, the first book of the Bible, in the garden, you see God in communion with his people, with Adam and Eve. And you see Satan bringing to them wisdom from below. Earthly wisdom. God sets the standard. Satan says, God says, uh, don't, don't eat this or you'll die. And Satan says, you shall not surely die. Satan says, eat this and you will be like God. That's how he works. Remember Eric Fromm? Man determines virtue and sin, not an authority transcending him. What he was saying is that man is God. That is earthly wisdom. Now, few are going to say that. Very few people in our day are going to say, well, I am God. But many act as though that's the case. Many will compartmentalize their own life to where what they do in terms of faith is one thing, but their life is something else. What they do on Sunday is one thing, but their life is totally separate. Yes, we will seek God in church, even some believers say, by their actions. But then it has no impact on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and the days that follow. Now, look at the results of that kind of teaching. I know this seems theoretical. We're going to get to the practical here in a moment. Uh, he, he says, verse 16, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. Disorder, chaos. Again, do some biblical theology. You go back to Genesis. You have the garden. You have perfect order, the way God intended it to be. And then what happens? Well, wisdom from below comes in. We call it sin. What happens then? Well, it begins to deteriorate into chaos. There is jealousy, there is envy, there is lying, and ultimately there is murder. Cain kills Abel. And then, what happens? In society, it continues, chaos continues on until... There is a flood. You go from the garden to the flood. You go from perfect communication with God to the Tower of Babel, where things are confused and where there is chaos. Now, you may be saying, okay, well, what's this have to do with me and my situation that you mentioned earlier? 
Well, remember, we're thinking through where you'll get your answers for your situation. If you're seeking them with human wisdom, this is where you're headed. Look at the behavior he talks about. Verse 16, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, again, that's wisdom from below, there'll be disorder. Every vile practice, ungodly behavior. You see, the more self-centered I become, the less concerned about you I become. And, and that's how it deteriorates. Let me tell you how this could begin. Very small uh, illustration of this. I was 14 or 15. And I, I only remember I wasn't driving yet because my friend and I were riding with his dad to seek out our first job other than mowing lawns and that kind of thing. We wanted to be caddies at the country club. Now, we're driving to the country club, and uh, he's a big golfer and so on. He says this. He says, well, you know, if they ask you if you've ever caddied before, tell them you're two of the best. Figure he knows what he's talking about. So we get there, and... uh, Of course, the first question is, have you ever caddied before? Now, we have friends that are caddies. They're all sitting there and so on. And we both kind of said, well, yeah, we've caddied. Oh, where have you caddied? Ooh, we hadn't thought through that. I still remember my answer. I said, well, around... Oh, around, like where? Well, we thought of a place. Uh, St. Charles, that was over across the river. I thought he wouldn't know if we caddied there. You know, you see how these things begin to, begin to spiral, and he says, oh, okay, St. Charles. Well, he said, all right, then. Uh, he plopped down a bag in front of each of us. He said, pick up the bag. Well, we both picked him up, put the strap over our shoulder, you know, with the clubs in the back and standing there to show him that we could hold. And he said, you ain't never caddied nowhere before. He knew by the way we picked up the bag. The clubs were in the back instead of in the front. Caddies are going to pick them up where you can get them out. And there we were, embarrassed in front of him, in front of all of our friends that were just loving every second of this. And then we had to tell his dad on the way home. We had to tell my parents when I got home. It was awful at the time. Now, you know what? I didn't get the job. I'm glad. Because I got caught. You know what might have happened if I had gotten the job? Well, the next job came along. Human wisdom worked the first time. And so all of a sudden, it's changing your resume, adding to it, like I did in that, you know, as a 15-year-old, added to my resume. All of a sudden, it's telling just a small little lie. 
and human wisdom takes over. But we see how that deteriorates. Wisdom from below. So what is the wisdom from above? Let's take a look at this. Verse 13. Wisdom from above is characterized by others-centeredness. Not self-centeredness, but others-centeredness. Verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. Remember chapter 1, verse 5? If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without a reproach, and it will be given him. He talks about meekness of wisdom. That's humility. Knowledge puffs up. Wisdom humbles. You know, when I, the, the very first place I was a pastor, I had been through college. I had been through seminary. And you know, after seven years, you think you know a lot. I have often said in later years, that I knew a lot more then than I do now. See, that's the difference. That's the problem that with uh, that knowledge is we can tend to think that we were really something. Wisdom knows how much it doesn't know. And we begin to learn and we begin to use that knowledge. Now, it, it talks about... Uh, uh, meekness. Now, too often, we see that as a negative thing. We, we think it's a, a negative characteristic, and yet Jesus is considered to be that. From the world's perspective, from wisdom from below, meekness is not a good characteristic. It's weakness to them. But the godly characteristic is that of Christ, the humble one. Meek, not because he's weak, but because he is completely submitted to the will of the Father. And that's why he could be meek and yet be the most powerful one in the entire world. Look at the behavior. We're we're going in opposite order now, verse 17, than we did on uh, the wisdom from below. The behavior, verse 17. But the wisdom from above is first pure then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. Do you see those qualities? Uh, pure being morally pure, peaceable. You know, that John 14 says it's a, a peace not as the world gives, give I unto you. Gentle. Look at these characteristics. Gentle, open to reason, full of mercy, impartial and sincere. If you're choosing a committee or a team to do something, How would you like them to have those qualities? That's what you want. Because these are wisdom, and it's wisdom from above. They're not natural. They're supernatural. They only come from above. And look at the result, verse 18. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Peace has to do here with order. It's the way things ought to be. It is the shalom. In uh, 
one of the homes we lived in, not the one we're in now, but I had a neighbor next door who was retired. And uh, he, he was not real busy with a lot of things except around his house. And I was at a very busy point in my life. Well, I'd go over and uh, just to talk with him sometimes. And he was always in his garage. Now, let me describe his garage. You walk in his garage, and he had a workbench that was just immaculate. It wasn't like mine. I had paint and, you know, stuff laying on and everything. It was, it was perfect. He had all of his tools where they were supposed to be. He had hanging hammer number one, hammer number two, hammer number three, and screwdrivers all in the uh, perfect order of size and all of that. The floor of his garage, well, it was immaculate. You could have sat down there and had a picnic and uh, would have been perfectly clean. Well, so I got inspired. I decided I'm going to clean my garage and I go back. Now, it it never got to looking like his, but I got to tell you, it got looking pretty good, at least temporarily. I cleaned it up. I threw away stuff. I, uh, I swept it. I, I got it in, you know, my tools in as good an order as I could get them. I didn't even have hammer number three, but of the ones I had, I had them in order and so on. And you know what? Afterwards, I just stood back and I went, ah. you know what that is? In a very small way, that's a picture of shalom. It's the way things can be. It's that, ah, and that's what's being offered here from this wisdom that is from above. It's the opposite of chaos, the opposite of disorder. Now, the source Well, it is implied, but it is clearly implied in the whole of the book. Verse 15, this is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is uh, uh, earthly, unspiritual, uh, demonic. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. What does it mean from above? There's two things in terms of seeking his wisdom. At least two, but these two are musts. Reverence and receiving the word. Reverence to the God of the universe. Proverbs 9, verse 10, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. See, that reverence is about relationship with the Holy One through the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't expect wisdom from above if you don't first have a relationship with the One from above. You can't just claim it and expect to have it. It's where the must begin or it'll be a false hope, a false Shalom. Remember the, the illustration of the garage. It would be like uh, cleaning up the garage but throwing everything into one closet so that the garage looks good 
But you know, at some point, that closet gets opened. <laughs> it's a false shalom. And you've got to make sure that's not what you've got. You've cleaned the outside part, but you don't have that relationship. And then secondly, it's receiving the word. Psalm 119. There's, you could use anything in Psalm 119. I just picked two of uh, verses Verse 98, 99, your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. Reading it, the Word of God, we so take it for granted. Most of you have multiple Bibles. Some of you have multiple Bibles that never get opened. Reading it. Memorizing it. Meditating on it. You know what? What we do here in church on Sunday is not enough. And you cannot, you cannot expect to have wisdom from above miraculously if the wisdom that he's already given us from above in the word of God, you never touch and you never use. He's already revealed most of what we need to know in the sacred scriptures. The situation that I talked about in our introduction, All around you are opportunities for seeking wisdom, either from above or from below. And I will tell you this, if you don't make a choice, the default where you will automatically head is wisdom from below. Because that's what will bombard you. That's what will make sense to us as long as we are in This fallen world, the fallen world makes some sense to us. And we can be quickly entrapped by it. But it will lead to chaos and doubt and turmoil. And then there's wisdom from above. Now, I want to tell you immediately, you've got to hear this. Wisdom from above is not necessarily going to change your circumstances. It's not necessarily going to fix everything. It may not change those, but it's life-giving. And it will bring peace. And we must bring it under the gracious hand of the one in the universe who really cares about how you come through that situation. The one who really cares about your circumstance. Let's bow together.